Hello and welcome to the NZ Ahead podcast. I'm Liz and today I have got a wonderful guest for you. Her name is Ginger. She is a member of our private NZ Ahead community. She's a podcaster all on her own and she is moving to New Zealand alone. What makes Ginger's story so special and so inspirational is this lady is widowed. She's at a stage in her life where most of us would just be thinking, I'm going to take it easy. I'm this, you know, I'm where's my pipe and slippers? But no, this lady is incredibly inspirational. She is incredibly adventurous. And you are going to love her story, especially if you've ever thought, you know what? I've probably left it too late. No, you know, just listen to Ginger and feel inspired. And don't forget, we do mention it in the podcast, but Ginger is part of our NZ Ahead private community. If you're new to this podcast and you don't know what that is, it's a private membership group made up of like-minded people who are all doing exactly the same as you are doing. They are dreaming of moving to New Zealand they are making their dream become a reality and they're doing it together. The NZ Ahead community is made up of wonderful people who are there to support, to help. We've got businesses in within the Slack group helping each other. We've got immigration advisors and pet movers and job recruiting people. It is a wonderful, wonderful resource. It's very, very affordable and it is there for you. So you don't feel alone and you don't feel as though you're stabbing around in the dark trying to get information about what New Zealand is like. So if you, if that's something that sounds interesting to you and you would like more information, we would recommend that you take our free five-day video guide. It's all about moving to New Zealand. It is five days of short videos giving you some aspect of what life is like in this beautiful country. Like I say, it's absolutely free, but when you get to day five, you will be given more details about the membership group that we're talking about here on this podcast. So you can either come and join us or take your time and still decide, whichever, but that is there for you. I just want you to know that. So to access those free five-day videos, go to nzahead.com slash free. So that's www.nzahead.com slash free. Let's jump into the show and meet Ginger. Cut it, cut it, cut it. What, fill in the gap between you're going to move to New Zealand in a couple of months. How, how did you, what made you do that? Like a lot of Americans, I'm very concerned with the erosion of democratic values, but I just felt trapped because I was like, I'm too old to go anywhere. Cut it, cut it, cut it. Welcome to the NZ Ahead podcast. Everything you need to know about moving to and living in New Zealand. There's a whole world here. So nice to be with you again. We call Aotearoa on here, bro. Uh-huh. You'll be right. We are your hosts, Liz and Brian. Amazing New Zealand in the Southern Seas. See, that's where I belong. That's home. Ginger, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Liz, it's great to be yourself. here. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. okay. First, I want to thank you both for giving me the opportunity to share my story. And I want to echo what all your other guests have said about how valuable the community you created is. Thank you. And thank I've you. been really experiencing that recently with the whole emotional ups and downs. And it helps to know that other people are going through the same thing. Hmm. I'm happy about that. Thank you, Ginger. 
so I want to just start move back a bit a bit because since I'm a little bit older than most of the other people in the group, I I was born in Seattle in Washington, but I moved to Alabama back in 1964. My father worked for Boeing and we moved to Huntsville to work on the Apollo moon landing. Well, he worked on the Apollo moon landing. Obviously I didn't, but it felt natural to go into engineering. And it was actually in college that I met my husband, Dennis, during my, I guess, end of my fifth freshman year. Uh, he was working on his PhD and uh, we got married when I was a junior and we moved to Birmingham, Alabama, not England. And um, he taught electrical engineering there for 30 years. So during my senior year, I decided to go to medical school and I ended up spending over 20 years doing emergency medicine, mostly in rural Alabama. In 2014, I decided to go back to my med school to do a fellowship in palliative medicine, which is what I do now. But unfortunately, Dennis died, I mean, literally like three weeks after I finished my fellowship. We had been married for 38 years, but we we didn't have any children. When he died, we we had three dogs, and Rusty was two, and he's he's almost 10 now because, like I said, it was 2015. So that's who I've got my family now, Rusty, <laughs> Rusty the Golden Retriever. I do have a sister who's been very supportive. She was career Air Force, and when this came along, she said, you got to do it. You'll always wonder what if if you didn't. Of course, she's going to be upset if I end up staying there, but, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, as far as coming to New Zealand, it wasn't exactly on my radar until recently. I, back in 2012, I met a recruiter from South Australia, which I think is a pretty rural part of Australia. And I met her at a medical meeting. And, you know, back then they would actually pay for you to fly all the way to Australia. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. You know, to see if you liked it. So I said to my husband, we should just go because, you know, even if we don't take the job, we get a free trip to Australia. I couldn't get him to do it. (laughs) Even though he was already retired, he was nine years older than me. So after he died, I I contacted the people in Australia and, and they just weren't hiring palliative care people. Maybe they are now. I don't know. So I've been doing palliative medicine at the VA for the last seven plus years. And for listeners who aren't in the United States, the VA is the system that we have for veterans, military veterans. And it's actually the closest thing that we have to something like a single payer system, because veterans who use the VA, we don't have to worry about, do you have the right insurance? You know, you heard a lot of that from Mm -hmm. your um, the Americans in the group, but inside the VA, if you're a patient in the VA, you know, all I've got to do is send you to the right. So, I mean, there's a lot, it has all the, both the pluses and the minuses of that kind of system. So can I just ask before you join, before you carry on? So I've just got a couple of questions. What is palliative care? What does that mean? Okay. So it means official world health organization definition is uh, caring for patients and their families who, and the patients are people who have life limiting conditions and don't have to necessarily be dying right that minute, but they have life limiting conditions. The goal is to treat and prevent suffering. So the difference between palliative care and other specialties is everybody else is pretty much focused on keeping you alive at all costs. And like I actually, you can find this talk I did on YouTube several years ago. If you Google Ginger Campbell, um, I did it at the American 
Humanist Association annual meeting in 2014 about palliative care. And basically what I said was, death is not the enemy. Suffering is the enemy. For me, suffering is the enemy. Suffering is what I want to prevent. Everyone's going to die. Mm. I don't want my patients to suffer. Mm. So that, that's it's a difference in focus. Now, it's true that a large part of our practice is helping people near the end of life. And I have a job offer at a hospice in Auckland, which obviously is end of life. So apparently New Zealand passed a law allowing physician assisted dying, right? which we only have in a few states in the U.S. But palliative medicine doctors are generally by policy opposed to that because they don't want people thinking that that's what we do. Right. Okay. So for example, at Todor, they do, they allow it, but it's done by the primary care doctor. It's not done by the palliative care doctor. Mm. As I said on my talk in um, the one I did back in 2014, I was blindsided by questions about that. I didn't see them coming. I should have. In palliative medicine, we kind of think if someone wants to have their life shortened, we're doing something wrong because they're suffering so much they want it to end. Yeah. Right. So yeah. we kind of feel like, that's a sign of our failure um, since we judge our success, not by making people live longer, but by making sure they're not suffering. Yeah, yeah. I should say one other thing about suffering. It's not just pain. It may be existential. It may be psychosocial. Um, so our team, palliative medicine is a, actually an interdisciplinary specialty that includes nurses, psychologists, chaplains. Physicians are actually a small piece of it. Mm. Right, so, so that's another thing that's diff different from other specialties because physicians really have to work in a team. They can't just go, doctor does it all, because that's yeah. just not the way it works. Yeah. I'm just, I'm really, really interested in your personal story. I just want to clarify. So are you still living in Alabama? Yes. Yes, right. Okay. I live love in Birmingham, at I'm, least for one more month. Right. <laughs> and we're going to get to that in a minute. And I I'm love not your... coming to New Zealand in one more month. I'm just going to North Alabama. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I love your accent, by the way. So let me just, let me do, <laughs> let me just, because I'm just, I'm missing a big, well, first of all, can I just say that when you reached out by email to me and you said about joining the group and you, you know, you, you're asking questions about the group and at the bottom, you just signed your name. Um, you know, you, you, you just signed your name and, and I thought, okay, Ginger, Ginger Campbell. And as, and I, I underneath you, it said something about podcasting. So I thought, Oh, like being a podcaster myself, Oh, I'll just Google Ginger Campbell and bang up comes all this stuff that you've got this amazing podcast. I'm not, I don't want to let this go. I think it's very important. You've got this amazing <laughs> podcast. You're doing fantastic work out there called a podcast called brain science is just one of the podcasts that you're doing. And it's just, yeah, I just want people to know because they're probably listening to you and you're talking about, Oh, I did this talk on YouTube and they're thinking, what, hang on a minute. What's the, hang on a minute. Who is this woman? So I just wanted to make it clear that that you are you're a flipping star ginger you're out there doing it all well there's actually a person in the group who's already heard the show i think it's one of the mics yes it is yeah more than one mic right yeah so you spent your life um just just studying the brain is that right is it, you're just <laughs> actually no okay <laughs> uh, it's not my job everybody thinks like i'm like a neurosurgeon or something i'm not it's a hobby um <laughs> basically i got interested in it around around hmm, i think it was around 2003 
I started reading something called philosophy of mind. And I discovered that, I don't know if you have any background in philosophy, but it's interesting. Historically, philosophy talks about the stuff that science can't quite grasp yet. Right. So philosophy of mind is this field in philosophy that really started because until fairly recently, nobody thought that science could study consciousness. So everyone that was interested in consciousness would go into philosophy instead of science because it was just too soon. Just like before physics was physics, it was called natural philosophy. Um, so I realized that all this stuff was happening in neuroscience that I didn't know about because I hadn't paid attention to it. Mm, let's think. This was 2003. And I mean, I had some exposure to it in grad school before I went to medical school. Things have changed a lot in that amount of time of 30 years, probably more than 30 years. But at any rate, I didn't know how much was being. So I started reading, reading, reading. And then actually it was an Australian guy that got me into doing brain science because back in the early days of podcasting, um, discussion forums were still popular as before uh, Twitter and Facebook. And I was on his discussion forum. It was a show called The Philosopher's Zone, and it was about the intersection of philosophy and science fiction. And people were always talking about the brain, and they were always saying this stuff that was wrong. And I would get on there and say, if you would just read X or you would read Y, then you would know that it's really this. And finally, he says, why don't you just come on the show and talk about a book? And so, and he wanted it in 10 minutes, which was really hard. But I did it, and I was like, this is it. I mean, I'd already known for about a year I wanted to do a podcast, but I didn't want to know what I wanted to make it on. I knew I didn't want it to be medicine. That would be too much my my job. But I did this and I got this huge, I, I'm sure you must have experienced this, the adrenaline rush of doing podcasting. So I did this and I was like, this is it. I will never run out of material. This was in the summer of 2006. So it was before neuroscience was as hot as it is now. Mm. So that's the story of that. Oh, and you just, you're doing such a fantastic job. And you, there's so much more we could go into there, but I want to know about your story about New Zealand. So you, here you are, you're, you're, you're living in America. You asked your husband to go to Australia and get a free ticket over there. And he said, no, because, <laughs> <laughs> so you're like, uh. <laughs> so then, then how do you come to how, tell me how, what, fill in the gap between you're going to move to New Zealand in a couple of months. How, how did you, what made you do that? Okay. So like a lot of Americans, I'm very concerned with the erosion of democratic values since 2016. And, but I just felt trapped because I was like, I'm too old to go anywhere. But um, in October, I was actually contacted by a recruiter on LinkedIn and it's not the first time that I've been contacted by a recruiter. Last year, I almost got a job in my hometown through a different recruiter on LinkedIn. And unfortunately, it fell through, but it made me aware that I was really ready for a change. Mm -hmm. So when this guy contacted me, I was a recruiter from the UK, actually. Um, and he put me in touch with the folks at, at Totara Hospice. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. I'm still trying to get at the hang of the Maori pronunciation. But anyway, it's in South Auckland, near the Botanical Gardens, if you've ever been to the Auckland Botanical yes, Gardens. Yes. Um, yeah. And um, so I had some Zoom interviews and they gave me a job offer way back at the beginning of November. But the ordeal with the Medical Council of New Zealand just won't end 
yesterday I got an email saying that my, that they had rejected my application and I have to have an interview. That's after they made me wait for since December. So, so you've had this probably work and yeah, it'll probably work out, but that's why it's helpful to hear everybody else's story and realize, I mean, the recruiter keeps saying, don't take it personally. (laughs) So Ginger, how just if for other people listening that are in the healthcare industry, there is an age, am I right that there is an age cutoff limit when you come to work in New no, Zealand? No, it's not it's not specific to healthcare. It's the the um current visa rules for for applying for permanent residency. Right. Even if you are a, a shortage um profession, I think it's 50. Yes. It might be 55 because I'm so far away from both of them that I can't remember which one it is, but because I'm 67. But um, but I think there was a window last year, you know, the person you interviewed from the States who came over to be near her grandkids. Yes, that's a nurse, yes Sherry. Yes. She, 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 she caught that window. Yes, right. I missed that window. <laughs> so how are you um, coming then? But, well, I'm coming on a work visa. That part's shouldn't be that should be pretty straightforward but thanks to the contacts that you have on the website i wrote to prudence and she connected me with somebody at new zealand shores charlotte yes and um she told me that once i'm there i can apply for an age waiver and you cannot tell that from the immigration website so that is something i would like to pass on to anybody who's worried about that um but the thing i want other doctors to know is two things one if you're american we don't use the ecfmg i mean most of the world does and so one of the things you and as long as you went into the to medical school in the states you have no reason to ever deal with that Um, don't trust me doctors will know what that is and when you get ready to try to get a job in new zealand the way that your credentials are vetted to make sure that they're real is through a site called Epic that's owned by ECFMG. So the problem I had, I lost a whole month on this, which is why I want to share this, is they have this online notary to prove your identity. So first you do your passport and you look like your passport. That's easy. Then they do these questions that seem like they're coming from your credit report, even though they claim they're not. Well, I don't remember you know, what car I bought 30 years ago. I mean, Mm. I could not pass the damn thing. Excuse my language. (laughs) I couldn't pass it. And I knew I would never pass it from what they were asking. And it took them a month to decide to allow me to use a second ID. So what I'm telling everybody that's at all interested, because it only costs like 130 bucks to sign up for this. Just if you think you want to do it, do that part ahead of time. Mm. because then you won't have something causing a delay because then I ended up in the situation where my application went into the medical council of New Zealand at the beginning of December. And as a New Zealand person, you understand what that means. Mm-hmm. It's sat there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, okay. And if I could have not had that delay of really a month, I could have got it in, in November and maybe I would be further along. So I, I want other people to avoid that. Just if Go it if you aren't already in on ECFMG, just go ahead and sign up for it. And then when you decide what country you want to go to, the way it works is 
according to what country you want to go to, they tell you what things you need to upload and get um, um, verified. Mm. I mean, New Zealand only wanted my medical school diploma and my um, specialty certificate. That's all they wanted. But just getting through the stage of being able to put it up there was the hard part. So what, why did you, have you ever been to New Zealand before? No. So what? <laughs> I've never been to Australia either still. Right. So you've never been but here before. I know about, you know, I know about Jacinda and I know about how progressive your country is. And, um, you know, as a person that has the concerns I have, and, and I don't really, to be honest, care about the beach, but I do like nature. So I wouldn't mind living inland. I want to live near the botanical gardens, actually. So did you have a shortlist, um, um, Ginger? Or was it always going to be New Zealand? Was it like New Zealand, Canada, Australia, UK? Or was it always just New Zealand? It's more like Australia and New Zealand because I hate cold weather. Canada is nice, but it's too cold. The UK is too cold. Too English. Rainy. <laughs> Well, I don't have, I'm actually an Anglophile, so I don't have a problem with that. I've been to Scotland and London. I haven't gotten to be to the rest of England. Um, Scotland is definitely too cold. Um, so, and I don't speak any other languages, so I was kind of limited. Hmm. Uh, I'm not, I don't have much language aptitude. People say, oh, you can just go there and you'll be immersed. And yeah, I have a very strong appreciation for why immigrants coming to the United States struggle with English. Mm. Mm. So, so, um, okay. So you've never been to New Zealand and it was the, the politics and just the, the, the ease of the country that drew you to New Zealand or. Um, mainly the, mainly the politics. And then of mm. course, the more I've learned about it, the more I've wanted to come, mm. um, I would say, though, that for me, the most important thing is the opportunity to be a part of a community. I mean, I think that's the most missing piece of my life. Of course, I also hope eventually to miss, meet another special person. But um, I want to be a part of a community. And the fact that New Zealand is about the size of the state that I live in, to me, that's that's a, that's an attractive smallness. Is that right? Is New Zealand the same size as Alabama? <laughs> Uh, really? Population wise, physically it's bigger, but you, we have about the same population in Alabama as you have in the entire country of New that's Zealand. That's incredible, isn't it? That's, that's... We don't have as many sheep. We don't have as many sheep. <laughs> oh, well, I'm not coming then. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh. So carry on, carry on with your story about, so you, you've chosen New Zealand, you want to come over, you, you're having all these problems. What, 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 what's stopping you? What's, what's the big holdup at the moment? Why can't you get over? Well, as a physician trying to get a work visa, what I have to do, or any kind of visa if I'm going to work, is I have my credentials have to be vetted through the Medical Council of New Zealand before I can apply for my visa. So right, right. now I'm still stuck in that process. Okay. So, of course, that's the other thing I would say because, I mean, I'm a board-certified palliative medicine doctor with almost eight years of experience, and the letter they sent me said, you haven't provided a sufficient evidence that you are a qualified palliative medicine specialist. Right. Right. Mm. So just listen to my podcast. Uh, 
<laughs> well, no, I'm trying to be really tactful just in case they do. But <laughs> um, but but what I've under heard, of course, the recruiter didn't tell me this ahead of time. But apparently, this is not an unusual situation, and they're and and I appreciate. I mean, everybody else has gone through a lot of stuff too, so it's not like it's only only um physicians but i think we're a little spoiled with thinking that you know i'm a doctor and everybody should be just good with that yeah yeah especially for me because i'm getting close to the 40th um class reunion for my medical school class so i'm like you know they picked at my resume for a month before they sent it to the royal australasian college of physicians which was the one that said i didn't have enough information and it's like you have a three-month gap here and what were you know what were you doing in this three months in 1993 and i'm like it was just a typo actually on my resume but i don't really get why they care what i was no, doing for three no. months in 1993 you know so I'm sure um, it will all be sorted, though. We keep talking about this, and it's like I'm sure that it'll all come sorted and it'll all come right. But in the meantime, yeah. But it yesterday was a bad day because I was literally driving to the closing of selling my house when I get a text from my recruiter saying, "Look at your email," and he didn't say, "Look at your email," because it's good news. So of course, I wow. immediately knew it wasn't going to be good news. And that's when I had that lever. So I'm walking into the place to sign the thing to sell my house, knowing that I'm going to have now another indefinite delay. Because that's the most frustrating is I don't have any idea. I know that once I get to where I can submit my visa application, that it will probably be about hopefully a month unless something goes wrong. But in the meantime, I mean, like, on the 1st of February, the medical council sends me this email. It says it could be 10 weeks. Mm. And, and, you know, now it's been almost 10 weeks and they send me not good enough. Now you have to have, an, now they did say in the original letter, you might have to have an interview and I won't even talk about how much they're charging for that. <laughs> um, but I, and I was hoping, but I was hoping not to have to do that. So anyway, that's just, uh, and tomorrow's the last day of my job at my current job. And then what so are you I'm getting do? ready to go. Well, next week, I, well, this weekend I'm going on a cruise that I paid for two years ago. Right. But when I get back, I'm going to pack and some of them, I'm giving away a lot of stuff. I'm trying to downsize. I have 15 bookcases and I'm trying to downsize to five. So that house that you're <laughs> See my bookcases in. back here. You see, yes. they're almost empty now. That's not, you. I don't know if you can see the boxes. I, I've already I can, you. yeah. So that beautiful I, house, I, and I, I, can tell it's a, I can tell it's a beautiful house because of the color of the paint. I absolutely love your choice of paint color. <laughs> How long have you lived in that house? Six years. I bought this house a couple years after my husband died. I had to move because there was just too many memories, you know? Too many memories, I, yeah. They weren't bad memories. It was just like I couldn't. Like anything I did, it was, I remembered this, we bought this washing machine. So if I had to buy a new washing machine, it's just a thing. Yeah. But, yeah. but this is a great, yeah, it's a great house. I didn't have any trouble selling it and I got a, a, a really good price. But um, I decided when I realized how long this was going to take that I was really burned out on the job I'm in now. And 
I decided that if this blows up and it never works out, I'm just going to retire because I'm at the point in my career where I can do that. I mean, I'd have to tighten my belt a little by retiring three years ish early. Um, but I, I can't afford to do that. So most people can't do that. So I would also say to doctors, don't give up your day job, you know, wait until you've really got, well, at least wait till it gets through the medical council because it's going to take longer than you think. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I don't know how that GI doctor did as good as he did, but, um, maybe it's because their fellowship is longer. I don't know. <laughs> They didn't. They said my fellowship was not long enough. Ginger, but how it was the length it is in the U.S.? Yeah. <laughs> uh, how do how do you? Because I was talking from someone who's come over to New Zealand with her family, and you know, my mum followed me over here. My sister lives here. I when I moved over to New Zealand, I felt like I I had a lot of support. I I, mean, I know you're part of our community, but how does it feel to be on your own, just you and your 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 dog that you've got, and you're selling your house, and you're going to be moving to the other side of the world? as a person as a as a person point of view how, how does how do you how do you deal with that because that can't be easy to go through that alone and at any age I was going to say you know when you're older but actually at any age but how are you feeling about that how yeah. are you feeling about the whole thing well I don't really feel like I'm going to be alone um even uh, even without the inset ahead community I also feel like I already and being embraced by the community of the hospice that I'm going to work for. Uh, one thing you need to know about palliative medicine people is that we're people, people, right? And and so taking care of each other is part of what we do. So um, I already feel like I've been embraced by um, the CEO of Totara, the head of HR, the person who's going to be my boss. Those are the only people I know yet, but I've already feel connected to them. Um, so um, it's, I mean, I think it's going to, actually the hardest part, Liz, I think it's going to be is that Rusty is probably not going to come. Yeah. And since Rusty is the only being in my life that I see day in, day out, sleeps in my bed, mm. uh, um, I think that's, and I, I really appreciate the episode you did about how to bring your pets. I was kind of on the fence because I had just found out that my sister who I thought was going to keep him is not going to keep him. I don't want to move him because he's almost 10, which is pretty old for a golden retriever. He's in great health, but I'm also concerned about where is he going to be when I'm starting this new job? Is he going to be stuck someplace at home by himself in a strange place? And he's not a one-person dog. I mean, he's very loyal, but he's a golden retriever. You've known golden yes, retrievers? Yes, I do. Yes, I had he one, loves, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he loves everyone. Um, so I think I'm going to leave him with the woman who's who's going to keep him when I'm on my cruise. She's my dog sitter slash person who cleans my house. She loves him dearly. And it'll be the least disruption for him because as dogs get older, they don't really like change. Right. Mm, yeah. They, so I'm balancing what I want with what I think is best for him. And then that price tag is pretty high too, but it's really, he's going to go to the vet in a couple of days and I'm going to talk to them about it, but um, cause he's just due to go to the vet. It's not a special visit, but I'm leaning toward just, 
I mean, the the person who I'm going to give him to is just really, really wants him. Mm, and mm. he already snuggles with her whenever she keeps him. So, you know, he'll miss me, but I don't think he's going to miss me as much as I'm going to miss him. No, no. But I think that's going to be the hardest part because dogs are what got me through my husband dying. I mean, dogs are what made me not feel lonely when, when, when Dennis died. So um, I think that's going to be, that's going to be the hardest part. How about you getting um, another dog? Of course, when you, come you never, never things never show up. Never things never turn out the way you think they're going to. No, usually the don't. thing you're worried about is not the thing. So it's probably going to be something I haven't even thought of. And you know what? There's a lovely there. There, there is a, a dog here in New Zealand just made for you. I think, and when you come, it will be you will be you'll be united, and it will be. You know, do, I don't know if you find this, but sometimes when things are like really tough to go through afterwards you think oh god if that hadn't have happened this wouldn't have happened do you ever experience that and mm-hmm. you just Absol- I always try a- to absolute- remember that yeah absolutely um, but it's, it's interesting what you just said ginger about as dogs get older they they resist change and that's the thing that stands out to me the most about you is i just think it's incredible how old 67 you said you were Mm-hmm. Uh, you 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 look twenty years younger for a start, but and you also oh, you, you also act a lot younger, and so I, I can see that you know you obviously are not one of the, a typical older person, but even so, at this stage in life, when most people are thinking you know settle down and you know just put the slippers on, sort of thing. What has given you the drive to think, not only am I going to sell my house, not only am I going to get rid of my beloved dog, but I'm going to move my job, my life and move to the other side of the world. What has given you the drive to do that? And how do you keep going when you keep getting these knocks going? No, it's not good enough. We need this. How are you keeping going? Well, part of it has to do with what I've learned from doing my show Brain Science over the years is that... um, the best thing you can do to keep your brain healthy is constantly have new challenges and do new things. So, so that's part of my inspiration. When I was younger, I, I was like many people that go into medicine and science. I just, you know, fantasized that I would win the Nobel prize. <laughs> um, even though there's only been like four women Nobel prize winners, but anyway, um, um, I'm not going to do that, obviously, but I'm inspired by the philosophy of some of the Nobel Prize winners that I admire who always wanted to do a new thing every seven or eight years. Some of, you know, because the cool thing about winning the Nobel Prize is then you can do whatever you want. <laughs> so you can change fields. One of the pioneers of neuroscience got was the co was the one of the people who got the Nobel Prize for discovering DNA back in 1953 Francis Crick Mm. you know he spent the last 30 years of his life doing neuroscience after being a chemist um so you know doing new things is good for you I mean that's how you stay young I started podcasting when I was let's see 51 and taught myself neuroscience so then when I decided to do a fellowship, I was like, I taught myself neuroscience, going back and doing a fellowship 30 years out of medical school can't be any harder than that. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, you know, so I have a track record of, of pretty good success. So that gives me the confidence to do it. I mean, I know that there'll be hard, uh, 
times, but I also know that my sister is right when she says, if you don't do it, you'll, you'll, um, you'll regret it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing, isn't it? Is you don't want to get to that age where you think, oh, what if, you know, I could have done that and I didn't give it a go. And that's what I always think is like, just do it. And at least then you can say you've tried it, but you're inspiring. You really are inspiring. And I absolutely love, love, love that whole thing of keeping your brain active by just doing new things, even though those new things sometimes feel like, oh, really, do I have to do it? But it's just, you're right. It just keeps you going, doesn't it? It's just... So what, 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 what? I actually interviewed some, I interviewed somebody a few years ago named Elkanon Goldberg, who is a neuropsychologist and has written some books about um, executive function and creative creativity and aging brains. And he, he actually said the, the, I can't ever remember if it's the prevalence of the incidence, but Alzheimer's disease is actually going down despite what people think. And he thinks the numbers are the absolute numbers are going up because there's more older people, but the actual prevalence per population is actually going down. And he thinks it's because people have to learn new things, right? It used to be you got your job out of college and you did the same thing for 40 years and then you retired. You can't do that now. And look at all the older people who are learning. You know, they've learned how to text so that they can communicate with their grandkids. They've learned how to use their iPad. Um, they've learned these things that have, you know, have been good for them in spite of their, you know, maybe occasionally complaining about them. So the temptation to say, hey, I learned it all and I'll just coast is strong because humans, just like dogs, we love our habits. Mm. Habits are comfortable. Um, what, what's been the hardest thing you've had to learn about this whole process? What, what, if you had to say one, what, what's been the hardest thing that you've had to come over? What's been most challenging? Uh, uh, well, so far, trying to be patient. I mean, I think of myself as being patient, but this is really stretching my patience. <laughs> it's really, I was so pissed off yesterday. Uh, <laughs> My recruiter said, let's just go to bed and sleep on it. <laughs> and then we'll talk again tomorrow because I was really mad. And and then, you know, once I got past that, I was could think a little bit more creatively that I can move, I can deal with this. Um, but um, I've never, I mean, I'm sort of spoiled. I mean, I when I decided that I wanted to do a fellowship, so the the very head person at the medical school that I um, went to, which is the University of Alabama at Birmingham, I think they changed the name to the Hersink School of Medicine recently. But but anyway, um, there's a guy who's the head of all of palliative care, and I actually was a resident with him way back in 1991. So when I wanted to do the fellowship, I sent him an email and said, am I too old to be a fellow? Because you could not do a fellowship in most areas this late. But palliative medicine actually benefits from having clinical experience when you learn it. So, um, but I didn't want to do all the trouble of the application, which included like fingerprints and security checks and sort of like getting a visa. Um, I didn't want to do that if they were just going to say, you're too old. So I wrote to him first before I did it. And then I got an interview and I go in and it's April. And I think that I'm interviewing for the next year. But at the end of my interview, the guy says, somebody's not coming. Would you like to start in two months? So I'm kind of spoiled that way. Yeah. So all this waiting is driving me bonkers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's, it can be frustrating, can't it? So just let's just pretend that you've moved to New Zealand now. You've got you you're, you're working in in the hospice. You you you're here. You've got your dog. <laughs> you're living in a lovely. What does your life look like in New Zealand? What do you want out of New Zealand? What do you, what do you want your next 10, 20 years to look like? Whatever, however however many years. Um. I think the thing that I probably, I want a community and I would, if I could find a special person, I mean, I'm lonely. I would like to have a person in my life, um, probably a woman. Um, I'm not totally opposed to the other possibility, but pretty much would prefer that it be a woman. Well, you've tried that. Um, you can have something new now. <laughs> Did that for all those yeah, years. Yeah, <laughs> actually I'm going, this cruise I'm going on next week is is Olivia, which is a lesbian cruise company that's been around for 50 years. So oh, okay. Murphy's Law says, I'm going to meet somebody on this cruise since I'm getting ready to move to New Zealand. Right? I was just going to say that. What are you going to do if you meet the love of your life? And she's on there and she's like, I don't <laughs> want to move to New Zealand. All right, then. But say if you did meet someone and she said, I don't want to move to New Zealand, would you still move? Um, I think so. I'm not that I'm not that impulsive, despite my lack of patience. <laughs> you just convince her to come with you. Yeah, well, you just you um yeah, you know, that whole long distance stuff is hard. It's really hard. I know I have enough friends who have been through it. Um my sister has had several relationships um after a divorce where she tried to, you know, do the match.com thing and um yeah um i i think it would be just as good to just get a new friend yeah, uh, yeah. fortunately olivia has a good program for people who are spot traveling alone so i know that um i'm gonna have a good time either yeah, way yeah so where are you and going I'm actually this having a amsterdam down to to switzerland oh nice, nice and i'm actually having a meetup with about eight podcast fans in amsterdam the day before the cruise starts oh that's going to be fantastic because you realize there's an ulterior motive for that because then i can deduct my airplane ticket oh, okay <laughs> keep that in mind I, I just think it's um, really i just think it's really impressive what you do i speak to i speak to uh, lots of um elders who would just will say you know oh no i'm too i'm i can't be bothered that, that that's the, the impression that i get is like oh i I'm, I'm over it i can't be bothered i can't it's not worth it and i'm just really inspired by your your drive you know even the, the whole new zealand the whole move to new zealand thing and now this whole new relationship which i didn't know about that actually so you've just told me about that but the whole thing that you know you're 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 making an uh uh a change you're making a, the effort to make get what you want for, in your life you know you're lonely you want a partner you're going to go out and and make sure that you, you know you go to the right places where you're the possibility of you finding a partner is i just think it's really inspiring to other people just to see you doing this um ah oh, it's exciting as well because I just know that you're doing well, well, that's why I wanted the re the reason I wanted to be on your show is because when I was doing my podcast, Grain Rainbows, which is for, for people coming out later in life, um, and you can find it with either spelling of the word grain, but I used the A, grain with an A. Um, I, ha I had a lot of listeners share their stories and 
what I discovered was that people found sharing. I already knew that sharing your story was powerful, but every, almost every person said, if one other person benefits from my sharing my story, then it will be worth it. Yeah. But then they also got something out of it. So that's kind of why I wanted to do it. I wanted to, to, um, to hopefully help at least one other person in some way. Oh, and more than than sort of, you know, maybe have a better chance of meeting other people in the group because they would know what I look like. Yeah, yes, exactly. Yeah. I mean, because it is kind of, I am looking forward to meeting Cheryl because as far as I've been able to figure out, she's the only other person going that went alone. Mm. I'm sure there's other people. But we have had other people. That, yeah. But that, that has posted recently and I don't have the um, premium Slack, so I can't see a lot of the older posts. Oh, none of us have got premium Slack. Yeah, it, that no, it's after ninety days, it, all the messages go. Um, but the but the other people that have moved over on their own, um, uh, we've got Adriana. She's but she's in Dunedin. Um, I think they're mostly in the South Island. I think Auckland. Cher, I think Sherelle is probably the first person that's moved to Auckland on her own. So, and we interviewed her the other day. She's just gorgeous. She's so lovely. But yeah. Yeah, I kept telling her, you need to get on there with Liz. You'll enjoy it. Yes. Because I know from, like what I just told you, I, I knew that if she did it, she would be glad she did it. Yeah. Because when I was encouraging her, I got the sense maybe she was a little reluctant, so I wanted to encourage her. Yeah, thank you for doing that, because it was it was a lovely chat. We had a really nice time. So, so before I let you go, Ginger, oh, God, it's just been such an interesting story. It's been like all <laughs> this different paths. Well, what... Is there any other tips that you'd like to give people who are on the same similar sort of path as you that you would just, just, I mean, your story in itself is inspiring, but is there anything that I've missed that you would like to add? Don't be afraid to reinvent yourself. That's so true (laughs) because like I said, just speaking to people, that when you speak to older, so especially older people, just, just is that whole, it's scary. It's scary to reinvent yourself and, you know, just think I'm going to do something completely different. But where do you get, well, the, I had a great, I was going to say, where do you get the model. courage from that? But yeah, go on, tell me. So during the nineties, which I call my new age period, I um did some vision quests. Do you know what a vision quest no. is? No. So it's based on the Native American practice of going out into the wilderness for three or four days and fasting. And back in the days of Native Americans' independence, they would do that to figure out, uh, you know, their path and stuff. And so there was a movement in the 90s of, of, of people doing that. And the person I did it with was a woman named Sidonia Cahill, who unfortunately died in an accident in the year 2000 she was 64 when she died but i worked with her for several years and she had when she was in her 30s had three kids this was in the like 69 she was not this was like back in the 60s she decided she wanted to be a hippie and she 
had three kids and she moved to Haight Ashbury, which in San Francisco was, you know, the height of where hippies were in mm -hmm. 1967. So that she did that. Then in 1978, when her youngest kid was 16, she went to Asia. She took her daughter with her. She sold everything she owned and went to Asia because she wanted to work with this guru or something or other. She was over there for two years and amazingly came back like in 1980. Can you imagine you left and it was the seventies and now it's Reagan. I mean, talk about culture <laughs> shock, but at any rate, um, so then she went to grad school and became a psychologist, but she realized that she didn't really want to be a psychologist. She happened to go on a vision quest and she was like, I could do that. I could do that better than they're doing it. And so she's in her forties when she discovers that this is her thing that she's really good at, which she was really good at. And so she, she is my spiritual mentor because she said two things that I've never forgotten. One is you have to show up. You have to show up. That's the number mm -hmm. one rule. You have to show up. And secondly, whatever you say your story is, that's what you're going to live. So you need to make it big. If you give yourself a little story, your story is going to be little. You need a big story and you need to try to live into this big story. So my husband met her one time in 1995 and he said, and she was probably 60, let's see, she might have been about 60 then because that was before she died. Anyway, he said, that's the first person I've ever met who's constantly reinventing herself. So that's why I said, don't be afraid to reinvent yourself because that's my inspiration. Um, even though, you know, she's been dead for over 20 years, I haven't forgotten what I learned from her. It's funny how some things just stick, isn't it? And you just, you just never forget it. Um, Brian was telling me the other day that he heard this thing on a podcast that said, is your future brighter than your past? And it really stuck with him. He just said, it just... It was, you know, like, you know, you hear something sometimes and you're like, oh my God. And he kept saying it over and over again, is your future brighter than your past? And I'd, I thought it reminded me of you actually, when that's what made me think of it is just that whole going forward, just blazing this trail, moving forward, like, you know, and just, oh, just even though you've, 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 you obviously massive change is happening in your life. I mean, you know, it's just, what was your husband like? Yeah, but it, I think I might be something of a change addict. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I'm one of those rare people who actually thrives on change, mm, mm. does it on purpose. Yeah. 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 So, you know, I don't really take a lot of credit for it because really I, I love change. Mm. I mean, obviously not all change is good. You know, losing your husband of 38 years is not good, mm. but, um, uh, yeah, I, 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 I like change. I'm a weirdo. <laughs> right. Well, I want you to remember those words then. Okay. So next time you your agency phone up and you're having a go at her down the phone and thinking, oh no, you know, just when you're getting all annoyed, just think, 
I love change. <laughs> I love change. This is good for me. You know, it's just everything good is going to happen. I love happen. change. I don't love hassles. No, it's not true. the same thing. It's not the same thing. I know, but just, I suppose, just keep the end thing in mind is what I'm trying to say is like sometimes, it, well, not sometimes, it's always so frustrating going through stuff like this. And you're like, oh, it just, and it's hard not having someone, I would imagine not having someone to vent on and just go, oh, can you believe it? This has happened. This has happened. And, but just keep that in mind. Well, I mean, I usually, I usually vent, I usually vent to my sister, although I haven't particularly vented to her about the latest developments because I'm kind of dreading telling her that, hey, I may be at your house for many months. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sure she won't mind having you. Because that's well, my plan. See, I'm going actually, when I get back, I'm packing everything up and going to live with my sister who lives about two and a half hours north of me near our hometown i'm going there until until i get my visa mm. so that should keep my expenses lower since i've just you know quit my job it's kind of a thing mm. and one last thing before i let you go are you bringing anything or are you have you just sold everything on or are you starting afresh when you get here no i mean i'm not bringing any furniture my sister's taking some of my furniture some of it's going into storage i'm selling it to, I'm selling some of my stuff to the nurses I work with, um, giving some of it away to charity. Um, I'm not that big of a selling person, so I'm not selling as many things as I could. I'm giving most of the things away. Um, mm -hmm. Like I said, I'm trying to downsize to five bookcases. So if I ever, you know, like got permanent residency, maybe I would ship the stuff that I'm putting in storage. I don't, mm -hmm. I haven't figured that out yet. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to do like... Um, I'm I'm going to do like the guys did, you know, that carried the stuff in their luggage and yes. nailed it to themselves because yeah. nobody, everybody's, everybody's um, containers are getting stranded in the ocean. So I'm not interested in that. No, no, no. <laughs> well, Ginger, I wish you the, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. Thanks so much. It's been absolutely lovely. Well, thanks listening for to having you. me, Liz. And I no. can't wait till we get to talk face to face. Yes, exactly. Yeah. When's that podcast thing that you were talking about? When, when is that? Is it oh, in May? Yeah. And you need to go to that, even though I think I'm not likely to make it, but it's on the 13th of May. Right. Okay. In Auckland. It's just a one day of Band. yeah yeah okay i'll look into that all right ginger well you, you, you know you maybe you can use my registration since i've signed up for it and i don't i'm relatively sure that i'm not going to be there in time to go to it well you don't know you don't know i'm now hoping for i'm hoping for my world cup tickets okay i have i have two tickets to the first world cup game between the usa women's team and vietnam it's not like a really big game but it's the opening game um, I, I'm a big, um, we call it soccer here fan, but women's soccer. I don't care about men's soccer. <laughs> <laughs> so you're just hoping to get here for that, that game and go and use those tickets. It's in July. I mean, surely I can get there You'll by July. You'll be here by then. You'll be here by then. Right. <laughs> well, I look forward to catching up with you when you're here and I can't wait to hear all about your story. So thank you so much for joining me, Ginger. Thank you. Thanks okay. again, Liz. Okay. Speak soon. Bye. Okay, bye. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast this week. We have loved having you here with us. If you love this week's show, 
please share this with your friends. Send it to anybody you know that wants to think about moving to New Zealand and get on over here yourself. And tell them how brilliant it is as well. And also, if you haven't signed up for our free five-day video guide showing you what life is like, really like, in New Zealand, then go over to the website and sign up. You are missing out. This is brilliant. Go over to www.nzahead/free and we will send you five days worth of videos about what life is like in New Zealand. You are going to love it. So one more time, that website that you need to sign up for the free five-day guide is www.nzahead/free. So we're going to see you next week. Until then, have a great week and we'll speak to you soon. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Say bye again. Bye. Bye. <laughs>